Shut up and sit down. The real problem is not whether machines think, but whether men do. It went up. It went up to the cloud. And you can't get it down from the cloud? Nobody understands the cloud. It's a mystery. Master the tools and technology that will change the way we do just about everything. Welcome to Radio Script Rock. Demonless and agentless. Upon hearing these words, the first thing that comes to mind probably isn't IT-related, let alone automation or configuration management-related. Maybe something to do with horror, science fiction? Well, sci-fi is actually pretty close, as our podcast guest in this episode, uh, Michael DeHaan, created the popular automation platform Ansible, um, named after a fictional communications tool from the popular science fiction novel Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. And as Red Hat announced today its acquisition of Ansible for more than $100 million, uh, we were lucky to speak with Michael about the history of Ansible and what his motivations were in creating the tool. So, check it out. Hello? Michael, how are you? Doing good. I've turned off all the fans here where I'm recording, but it's it's scorching hot today in Silicon Valley. So, oh, uh, wow. you're out there in North Carolina, right? Yeah, it's finally not super hot here. How, uh, how's the weather? It's just hot and muggy, kind of like your parts, I guess. Um, I actually did grad school over at uh, UNC Charlotte, so I'm... I'm oh, nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm originally from Winston. Uh, Michael DeHaan is a, is a prominent technologist, software developer, musician, uh, probably best known for creating the configuration management and automation tool Ansible, as well as Cobbler and a few notable others. So Michael, jumping right into the hardcore tech questions, straight out of Compton. Did you see it? Did you like it? I, I did not see it. More that, of a classic and indie rock guy. So. Got it. That, that was my smooth uh, segue into the biographical, by the way. We can definitely talk about but, ex- extreme computing in other ways, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I did get a chance to, um, to check out some of your music on SoundCloud. Uh, that's where we host our, our podcast as well. Is music kind of like your main passion or your earliest passion? Mm, um, no. I don't really do that a lot now. I need to get back into it. The startup had been uh, kept me away from the synthesizers, but uh, it's been a lot of computer things lately for the most part and starting to get back into cameras and starting to play with music bits again. So how did you get started in tech? Yeah, so I went to NC State and uh, they were actually teaching people a lot of Java at the time. And I had, uh, I mean, I've worked at a lot of different companies, but uh, it's kind of started doing systems management for storage things for IBM and uh, eventually uh, joined a company around the corner that was doing Python and that kind of got me into Red Hat. And uh, right. I think I think I'd, I'd credit Red Hat for most of my, you know, open source education. And that was uh, a really cool experience to kind of, uh, see how all that worked and, and more importantly to be exposed to a, a really wide community of people that were interested in uh, like IT automation things just as like DevOps was taking off so right. I, I quickly kind of uh, got rid of my Java roots and started to enjoy uh, dynamic languages and uh, Linux and all those kind of good things. What was the kind of the progression towards building Ansible like what was the main impetus or, or catalyst? So at Red Hat um, I started this thing called Cobbler and it was because we were you know, just starting to get in with Zen and KVM and kind of needed, uh, there wasn't really a good tool to manage like physical boot environments, uh, but there definitely wasn't anything really good for Vert other than like, you know, what VMware had at the time. And this was sort of, uh, cloud was not really much of a thing yet. It was just starting to become a thing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, while I was doing Cobbler, uh, Puppet started really, really taking off, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I actually worked for them for a while and Luke's super, super smart. Um, but those two tools together kind of got really, really used in the DevOps space a lot. So I got to see a lot of people that were doing a lot of configuration management things. Yeah. Um, and I actually didn't really try to write a, a new thing for quite a while, but 
a bit later, I, I kind of uh, was looking at it and it was like some of the things, some of the problems that I was having, I thought I could do a little bit differently and I kind of wanted to try out those ideas. And I was working for a, a closed source company at the time and I was kind of missing the open source project. So I was like, I'm just going to do this thing and throw it out there. Yeah. And because I had sort of uh, built up a network of like, uh, you know, operations people that knew Cobbler, uh, I think Ansible took off a lot faster. So mm -hmm. like some of the uh, people at Red Hat that started to like the idea of systems management of REST age, like uh, people like Seth et al. and so on, kind of kept me going after I got started. I'm like, well, other people want this idea. And I heard a lot of people say, I was working on something like this. And I kind of said, well, let's build it together. And it got to be like very community motivated, more so than like uh, anything I've ever done before. And it kind of got this really good modular thing going to where people could just add small pieces of it without having to understand the whole thing. Right. So kind of took off from there. That's definitely one of the more, I guess, notable aspects of Ansible. It's lightweight, agentless architecture, which, which kind of distinguishes it from other leading automation solutions. What were your thoughts behind that approach? And what are the benefits, I guess, to to that architecture. Um, so one of the things we did at Red Hat, and this was with Seth and a guy named Adrian Likens, and Adrian wrote up to date, so it was really cool to work with all those people. Um, we built this thing called Funk, and it was basically uh, where there are sometimes some tasks that you need to do when you're deploying software or managing software that didn't fit into like applying a, a model to those systems. And so we, we basically ported part of the, the Puppet CA system to, to Python and made this... Uh, RPC system that was kind of modular and pluggable. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we did that, I, I became very aware of kind of some of the problems that, that can happen. Like I need to have NTP right, I need to have DNS right. right. Uh, if these demons aren't running, it can be hard to talk to uh, and some of that. So um, just doing it over SSH felt like a simpler way, mm -hmm. but um, everybody had kind of said, this isn't going to be performant. And I kind of wanted to experiment and see if that was true and i think what we've we sort of proved in the end is that um it's not going to always be like it's not going to talk to ten thousand systems at once but for most infrastructure that everybody's got a deploy doesn't talk to ten thousand systems at once right. and uh it actually worked out pretty well so uh things like control persist and ssh can you know keep connections open and do some really clever things right it's going to be an interesting road ahead, I guess, for a lot of tools, I guess, including Ansible with, you know, new things like SDN and container technologies like Docker um, at the forefront right now. Like, in your opinion, what are some of the challenges or obstacles that need to be kind of overcome in order to really have a, a I guess, a flexible model for, for automation that, that can really accommodate any type of, of, of node? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm increasingly getting very interested in immutable systems, right? So the idea that I'm baking an image, uh, I'm currently working for a, you know, a fantastic AWS US shop called uh, Interactive Intelligence, and they're uh, they're all immutable systems. So the, the idea behind immutable systems is you can bake a configuration, whether that's into an AMI or a file in the Docker registry or whatever, and then when you deploy it, it's very very consistent and it deploys faster. And uh, that that approach has been, um, you know, people like Riot Games and other people have been pushing that for a while, but it's starting to get into the consciousness, right? So right. kind of the same level of uh, like continuous deployment is starting to get in more into the consciousness. It was something that people knew was a good thing, but more people are talking about it. Yeah. Um, so what what uh, what I think has happened is is there's a, there's kind of critical mass now. So um, the the whole idea of like the, the word DevOps, like it to me and and you know to to Luke from Puppet and so on. When we first heard the, those words, 
uh, we were not really sure what they meant. And we're like, these people are talking about things, right? And yeah. <laughs> originally about the code, and then it's about the culture, and then it's more about the code, and now it's like their teams labeling themselves after these things. But the most powerful idea there is like companies are talking directly to other companies, and they're saying people that work for them, and they're trading ideas without uh, necessarily always looking to a vendor. Right. Um, and it, it, those things are advancing so fast. So um, I think that's that's really super fantastic. And, and the way that the industry is evolving over the past, say, two or three years, is exceptionally faster than it did, it felt like to me, over the last seven. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so, I mean, those are some of the things that I'm excited about. As that happens, um, I think people are asking questions, what's the best way to manage stateful servers still? Uh, does do I, you know, do I build these things inside, you know, through my existing automation tools, or I just write Bash scripts, right? That's right. that's kind of a, a common conundrum. Um, I don't have a lot of experience managing Docker in production, but there's a lot of iteration going on, and there's like five or six management tools that are kind of all sort of trying to see which one people coalesce on to to manage these fleets in production and what they're good for and what they're not good for. What are the best practices? How do I do logging? How do I do monitoring? Um, how much control do I put in the hands of a developer versus the, you know, like the security team? Or how much do I, you know, how do I avoid the problem of somebody just saying, here's an image, run it. I don't know what's in this thing. Right. Um, right. So I think in some ways we're kind of cycling back to something that we were trying to avoid with uh, golden images. And then we're trying to find a, a happy middle ground um, where people are building those from source and are doing immutable systems. But this, the, the way that, you know, containers don't fit for everyone, but there was like such a big hype curve in, on containers yeah, that yeah. a lot of people are trying to apply them in places where they might not have been necessary. So like if you're running straight on Amazon and you're not building a platform as a service, do you need this or do you not? And I think a lot of people are trying to figure those things out still. Yeah, and I think, you you know, you mentioned security as a, you know, obviously right now it's an increasing concern, not that it wasn't before, but, you know, just in the past year, we've seen the threat landscape kind of transform dramatically. Um, there are some concerns, I guess, around open source software and how continuous delivery introduce, you know, new attack vectors, or does continuous integration, continuous, continuous delivery, DevOps, um, DevSecOps, whatever you want to call it, taking a continuous approach to security as opposed to kind of like just um, securing the, the production environments, for example. I mean, I think the more we can do to teach develop the, the entire development spectrum um, about things, and I, my, my current gig, uh, it's, it's, it's really great, but the, uh, and I, I don't take any credit for this because I just started, but uh, they've got a point where everybody at the development stage understands the services that they're deploying, they're writing Ansible playbooks, right? right? And the result of that is they're taking ownership for whether that's secure at the very, very earliest stages, and you're deploying into the cloud for your developments and your tests, and it's not just I'm developing on my laptop with Vagrant and then Ops Teams owns it. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good good way to do things. Um, you know, you can do... they doing things like automated scans of builds and things like that are, are possible. I think some of the, the dangers now, um, we've kind of hit, and this, I mean, I'm not old or anything, but I, I feel as well when I say this, like, hey, get off my lawn. <laughs> but uh, the, the mass of, the ease of entry of web development has gotten much, much better over time, right? So you think about Rails and, you know, Flask and Python and all these other things, and they're mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic. 
But as that's happened, a lot of the, the you know, the I'm going to vendor this library, right? Yeah. I know just enough about DigitalOcean to deploy this web service, right? Um, I'm running Mongo fully unencrypted across multiple regions of, uh, you know, or, or not across multiple regions, but in, in the cloud, right? And, and it's the people that, I guess, know enough to be dangerous. It's, it's, uh, it's actually a really good thing because that, that computer science is that much accessible, but there's a lot of things people don't know. And as we're moving to things like Go, where things all build static binaries and people aren't doing YUM updates of all their dependencies and they're getting less from the vendor, right. they have to do more themselves. And if you're pulling uh, 57 libraries from PyPy and from RubyGems or wherever you're getting them or from Maven, how do you know how good of the things you're doing are? Right. Um, and I think there's uh, also an increasing problem in, uh, which I mean, I think we've all seen, uh, you know, you're using software as a service, you have absolutely no idea how good somebody's protections are as to what they're storing in the database, right? Right. Plain text, uh, weak hashes, all these things, and it's because people don't know. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I don't think, I think continuous deployment is orthogonal to all of that, but the idea that you can release faster and get in the habit of releasing makes it easier to fix things, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's good. And it gets everybody under, in the entire pipeline understanding about automation, and it makes it easier for people to understand how to build a test environment that's very much like prod, so they're not surprised when they get out to prod. So right, right. Those are good things. Any interesting projects you're working on uh, right now or involved with? Uh, yeah, um, not a whole lot right now. So I'm taking I'm taking a little bit of a break. I uh, This weekend I wrote a, a really simple Vagrant clone sort of in Python just because I wanted to... Uh, basically uh, not run Ansible over SSH to talk to some things. So it mm -hmm. R-syncs Ansible content, and uh, it's called Strider, so you can okay. see it on my, my GitHub. But uh, it's really just really simple, small script. Uh, there's probably going to be something else. I uh, don't really know what it's going to be at this point. But okay. uh, Cool, so you can check that out. Uh, it's, it's up there on GitHub. Yeah, it's okay. github.com slash M-P-D-E-H-A-A-N. How can uh, our listeners learn more about kind of kind of follow up on what you're up to? Um, well, I, I, I'm probably not up to too much <laughs> exciting right now, but uh, if you if people want to follow me on Twitter, uh, my handle's Laser Llama, uh, just because like I think Michael DeHaan was taken. Um, Ansible's documentation is at ansible.com/docs. Um, if you've got any bare metal infrastructure and you want to automate some deployment, Cobbler's still out there. It's at uh, cobblerd.org, and a lot of uh, good people are maintaining that sucker still, so they're. Uh, Fantastic. Well, hey, Michael, thanks for taking time out to talk with us uh, on our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Hey there. Thanks again for tuning in. And special thanks to Michael DeHaan for joining us on the podcast. For more about DevOps, information security, and other fun stuff, check out scriptrock.com.